Hi folks, I'm Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 28th, 2012. Always I start off the broadcast by advising people to make good use of the website CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because there's a lot of audios on there for free download where you can really start to really put the pieces together of the system you're born into, this incredibly worked out system. It does have a head at it, of course, to organize it all, and lots of organizations beneath it too that are also organizing the ones beneath that and so on and so on. And you're living through what they call scientific socialism run by the bankers of all people because they invented socialism and communism too because basically they prefer to deal with countries, socialist countries, that are always borrowing from them, the bankers themselves, and the government simply put down the people, the citizenry as collateral and also as guarantors to pay off all the debts. So it's a wonderful system rather than having individual little states, little provinces, etc., and having to send your own heavies out to collect the cash. Uh, In fact, they might even not want your loan in the first place. Governments are far better. And then, of course, they got all the governments on board through big international treaties uh, through the United Nations to borrow money uh, through the IMF and and, uh, uh, the various organizations they have to deal with giving money overseas. So we're in the big, big charity business. But it doesn't go to the people. It goes to the big foundations and the organizations and international corporations uh, that are set up all across the planet. So help yourself to the audios. Remember, too, that all those sites listed at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com have uh, audios for download and transcripts for, for print-up as well in English. Uh, go into Alan Watts Sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't sell products to people. And uh, I just try and give you this, this straight shooting, as I say, and uh, I'm not compromised by beholding to any advertisers or anything like that. So something you keep me going. I have no shares in, in, in companies and, and things like of that nature. So you can buy the books, hopefully, in this at cuttingthroughthematrix.com or donate. And to do so from the U.S., to remember, remember, you can use personal checks still, or you can use international postal money orders from the post office. You can also use PayPal or send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And as I say, if you don't understand your histories, you won't understand what's happening today or where it's supposed to go. It's not that history always repeats itself. It's that those who study history are in command of the world, and they know how to bring you down very quickly in order to own you all. And it is a big stake. They want to own the planet, all the resources. They've pretty well done it, including your water and your food supplies. And they want to own you as well. Not only you, but uh, even uh, the, the genes in your body. They're patenting your genes in your body. I'll be touching on that tonight. And bringing a new slave race down the road, maybe 2050 or so, that'll serve them much more efficiently than the present ones that have got silly ideas about independence and freedoms. So help yourself to that. And uh, what I do is I try and show you the big organizations that came together in the late 1800s openly. Uh, and uh, it's in the history books. 
no conspiracy about it. And uh, this is a Rhodes Foundation, for instance, was quite blatant about their, their objectives. And they melded with uh, the uh, Milner Society, bankers actually, international money lenders, to form the Royal Institute of International Affairs. They were to use Britain as a model because Britain already had an empire and the U.S. was to take it over and then expand it. So that's what we're living through today. They call it wars for this and wars for that, wars of liberation. But really it's just an expansion of the global power system with the central banks to be uh, all under an umbrella run by uh, the Bank of International Settlements. That's from their own books and records and archives, by the way, which, again, you can get a hold of if you want to. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix. And I've been talking about Katerina Jaleva, who's been fighting to get her child back from the children's services. I don't know why they call them services, it's just kidnapping rings really. But uh, I'll update you as soon as I get word as to what happened today. Uh, They have these ongoing pre-trials and uh, uh, we'll get some information pretty shortly out to you as to what's happening there. Now, the world is run by, as I say, these, uh, these big rich people who were all behind Darwin long ago, and they grabbed on, onto the Darwinian theories because it helped justify where they were at the top. Being a psychopath is quite good. You can always rationalize what you're doing. But when you get a, a, a sort of step up the ladder with a Darwinian concept of, of a, a superior type of, of people or race for that matter, then it satisfies them. These are answer that they've been looking for to give to the public. We're here because at the top of you, ruling over you because we're superior genetically and all of that. And they really want to believe in all that, of course. It's much better for them. But psychopaths have always been here and until you wonder really, if this, is this the natural state of affairs where they'll always claw their way to the top because they're very, very cunning and um, they can almost read people's minds. They can read you very, very quickly. They get up there and, uh, and rule over you in all ages. And time has gone past. It wasn't so bad because little, little groups of people lived across the whole planet, clans, tribes and things. And sometimes if something got too big for their boots, you could all get together and sort of get rid of them. But today we have sort of a different solution. We have what's called government, you see. And the whole idea of democracy, where you can vote another bunch of tyrants in every four or five years, rather than, than having rebellions every four or five years. That's why they gave you democracy. It's because it's the same bunch at the top that always put the people forward for you to vote for. And I'm not kidding about that. They're all selected by the Royal Institute of International Affairs at the top. They're all members of the organization, or their other names, I'll call it as Council on Foreign Relations across the rest of the world. So you're presented just like it was in the Soviet Union with, with Politburo 1, 2, or 3, take your pick. Because it doesn't matter what they tell you. And I wish people would really learn this and, and remember it. It doesn't matter what they tell you. They're politicians, for goodness sake when they're running for election, uh, they can do whatever they want once they're voted in. And look up the terms and the definitions of democracy. It tells you that. They can do whatever they want because you've given them your permission to do whatever they want. That's why you shouldn't vote at all. Because it's pointless. It's a rigged game like everything else in this world is truly rigged. 
from the university systems that give you indoctrinations into low-level science, often a lot of untrue, and everything else they churn you out to you. And um, the stock market, everything is rigged. It always was rigged. But they've put on a great show of pretending that they're all above board and honest people. I've never seen or heard of an honest politician. They play every group for that group's sake. So if they're speaking to a bunch of workmen, like Tony Blair used to do, he'd arrive outside the headquarters of some workmen's union, and he would take a brand new shirt, a blue shirt, out of a package in his car, and he'd put it on and roll up the sleeves and walk in like a working guy. I mean, And then he'd get back in his car and put on the white one again. And when they go to see some top sponsors that are going to back them financially, you know, it's a suit and tie and, and, and the big dinner plates, etc., that cost thousands of pounds and all this nonsense. That's how they all, all are. But none of them would be in power or get into power unless you select them out of the bunch that's put forward for you to select from. And it wouldn't make any difference who you select in this system. There are such forces that run this world, such incredible forces, they would never let an honest person in. It wouldn't happen. Someone that's going to upset their whole pyramid scheme, because it's built like a pyramid, it would never, ever happen. We're dealing with people who plan wars 20 years before they start them. We're dealing with people who sit and say, yeah, the collateral damage will be so many million here, so many there from starvation, disease, and so on, once we're finished with them. That's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people with private armies, hit men all over the place. That's the reality of this world. There's nothing honest in it. I mean nothing. There's nothing honest in it. Certainly not in a governing capacity. And this article here is about... Eugenics, because eugenics is at the basic, uh, it's a basic prop, as I say, for these people who decided they were superior a long, long time ago anyway. And it's interesting too uh, that um, Marx uh, thought that Darwin gave credence to the whole so-called science of communism, and he wanted to dedicate his fourth publication or fifth publication to Darwin. And Darwin would have gone for it, except his advisors, yeah, because they all have advisors, even back then, folks. It might not be good for PR. So. Their idea was to bring in a new world run by science. They had to demolish the last vestiges, especially of Christianity in the West, because that was the predominant religion. And now they're, they're getting rid of the, the Muslim countries in, in the Middle East, etc. But uh, today it's the Christianity, and, uh, and, and then, of course, the scientists would step into the shoes left by priests and ministers, and they would, they would, you'd be trained, and you are trained to listen to experts. You're, you truly are trained, whether you know it or not, you're trained. You see, and they've done thousands and thousands upon thousands of polls when they put these little things on television from an expert, and then they'll poll the next day, and sure enough, they're all prattling about whatever this expert said about whatever it was, some some nonsense they made up. But the idea is to create a new form, a new species. I mentioned the movie Gattaca before, and it's quite good. It's about a, a time, it's almost here, pretty well is here, where there'll be a two separate classes in the world and new types of classes. One will be genetically modified and, and, and conceived artificially, and uh, the other one will be the old-fashioned ones that are deemed inferior because, you see, they'll have junk genes, genes that might make you prone to get allergies down the road, might make you prone to blah, 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 might, 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 you see. So this article is the world's first GM babies are born. 
the words first genetic modified humans have been created. It was revealed last night. No, just like that, just revealed. Oh, boom. The disclosure that 30 healthy babies were born after a series of experiments in the U.S. provoked another furious debate about ethics. Well, we don't have. There's no debates about ethics because they already put the eugenicists in there, and they call them bioethicists. And these are the experts who come on and change your mind for you. That's their job. This is okay. So far, two of the babies have been tested, have been found to contain genes from three parents. Fifteen of the children were born in the past three years as a result of one experimental program at the Institute for Reproductive Medicine and Science of St. Barnabas in New Jersey. The babies were born to two women who had problems conceiving. Extra genes from a female donor were inserted in the egg before they were fertilized in an attempt to enable them to conceive. Now, that's not all they do, folks, because they'll test these children down through their lives. I think they've already done them before, to be honest with you. And they'll, they'll take different genes out and put other genes in for height and everything else, too. They can do that as well. India was doing that a few years ago. And to tamper with intellect and that, even, even to do with the kind of personality they think that you've, you, they don't, if you're a person into a rulership position, a high bureaucrat or something, you want someone who's going to be more like a robot and have no compassion. That's where they're all into. But this one here is, is giving you the nicey-nicey approach. Oh, it's just because women were infertile, etc. It says genetic fingerprint tests on two one-year-old children confirm they have inherited DNA from the three adults. And it says the fact that the children have inherited the extra genes and incorporated them into their germline means they will, in turn, be able to pass them on to their own offspring. So now you have tampered with the rhythm of life, you might say. Altering the human germline, in effect tinkering with the very makeup of our species, is a technique shunned by the vast majority of the world's scientists. They fear that one day this method could be used to create new races of humans with extra desired characteristics such as strength or high intelligence. Well, that's exactly what they're going after. And they've been going after that for years and other laboratories, believe you me, and the military and all big top governments and the ones who own all the governments. And I mean that all governments are owned by a few across the whole planet. That's what they want. This is writing in the human journal, uh, the, the journal uh, Human Reproduction, such as led by fertility pioneer Professor Jax Cohen, says that this is the first case of human germline genetic modification resulting in normy, normal healthy children. Well, you won't know that till down the road, but they will follow them, their, their experiments, and they will be followed down the road. So some experts severely criticized the experiment, and Lord Wilson of the Hammersmith Hospital West London told the BBC yesterday regarding the treatment of the infertile, there's no evidence that this technique is worth doing. I'm very surprised it was even carried out at this stage. It would certainly not be allowed in Britain. Well, I, I'd, I'd disagree there. I think they'd allow it anywhere, very quietly, in secret laboratories, and they have done that. So... It's definitely going to lead to a whole new system altogether down the road. And I'm sorry to say, too, even in the movies that they've shown us in the past, those sci-fis, the women will go for it like crazy. They already are. They already are going for it. I know people or of people in L.A. who've ordered their children. Ordered where the sperm came from, the ethnic race it comes from, the height and all the rest of it. And women will go for that big time. And also think they're going to get a healthy child, etc. So it's inevitable now because these boys, it's all part of the plan. And eventually you'll, you'll have real bureaucrats like robots. The ones we already got are bad enough. But you'll get real robots in, in the future in a human form. They have no compassion with, with anything at all. Also putting up tonight's 
It's uh, an ongoing story. This the story of America's uh, forced sterilization and time for compensation. It's a little video to do with people who are still trying to get. They're, they're sterilized as, as late as the 70s in the, some of the U.S. states, and uh, they've got nothing back in They weren't told they were getting sterilized, by the way. And um, that's what government does, you see, when, when they deem inferior types or people who had no education. Uh, they, they don't see you as a human anymore. And you better understand, that means all of you listening as well, because the ones who are ruling you really don't see you at your level. I don't care how many degrees you've got, it's much higher or even higher at all than the ones you'll see on this video. They really, really don't. So I'll put this link up tonight as well. And and then we'll go into, of course, the, what they're calling Obamacare, even though it was already started when the Clintons were in. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watts. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the big changes that are happening in the States. But of course, people don't realize, I've mentioned this before, that when they set up the United Nations and the World Health Organization Department, which also encompasses the Population Department, that's population control for those who don't get it, um, they also said that eventually their goal was to make sure that across the whole entire planet, people would, would be uh, able to get the minimal, the most minimal health care possible. And what you're doing in the States and everywhere else, in Canada as well, is throwing your cash across the planet as they bring your systems down at home so that everyone across the planet, including yourselves, can get the most minimal health care. Look at the state of Britain. It's just disgusting what they've done. And uh, and the people really worked hard for generations to, to build that National Health Service up, and it was demolished so quickly by when it was time to do it. Because we have an enemy, understand? And the enemy is very, very real, and they, they are in control, and they have a completely different idea of the value of human life. They have categories of human life in Britain, for instance, on your chart. They give you a category uh, as to whether you should be even revived, resuscitated, and all of these things, according to your age. In Britain, they're very good as long as you're, you're up to 40, 45. After that, you're kind of iffy. Once you hit 60 and you're getting towards retirement age, then forget it, folks. You just don't get the, the care. There's different grades of special care for different people in Britain. And people better, get, better understand that. You better understand that. It doesn't matter how much you pay in, uh, by the way, uh, and you're also equal and all the rest of it. It doesn't work out that way in reality, and the same thing's going to happen in the U.S. Never mind. See, the U.S. is famous, like Britain, is, was, because Britain was the first country to really start the big uh, international uh, co-operations or, or, or corporate bodies, I should say, like the British East India Company, along with its sister in Holland, the, the Dutch East India Company. And the name of the game ever since has been monopolization of every field, industry, you name it, whatever field you're in, including medical care, monopolization. Same goes with all the banks and insurance companies. You end up with monopolization until the old story, there can only be one, just like you see in all the sci-fi movies. There can only be one. And that also ties in with the Marxian concepts of to do with material goods, where he mentioned that, you know, one factory churning out shoes would do fine for everybody, one for clothes for everybody, 
and so on and so on. And the same thing would be for one insurance company to give you, provide you with the cash for your health care or not provide it according to the way they deem fit. But uh, one thing is for sure that the health system in the U.S. is, is, is stinking corrupt to begin with, with the, with the incredible corruption and, and, and greed and greed that permeates the whole damn system. When you go in there and they bill you for everything, including an elastoplast or on a cut or something, and probably bill you about 40 bucks for that little cheap piece of rubbish they just put on you. It's incredibly, incredibly greedy. And uh, you, you as well as booting yourself into the Ritz, to be honest, if you're, if you're going to get some really extensive treatment, and just hire yourself a, a, a private caretaker to look after you in the meantime, because you live better, you have more chance of coming out of the Ritz alive than you have from hospital now. And it's the same in Britain now as well. Because they're not going to put money into what are called the labouring classes. In Britain, the US, Canada, uh, Australia, New Zealand, and a few other countries in the 90s, mid-90s, they all made deals at the same time, by the way, just one of these strange coincidences. But of course, they knew what was coming because everything's planned in advance, long in advance. And they made a deal with all politicians and their families will be taken care of with the best care possible of the time, meaning the latest treatment for whatever, in high uh, operational military hospitals. They knew what was coming down the pike, because it's planned that way. You understand, if you've ever heard of anything, sheep, goats, whatever, you want the maximum profit of them. That's what they're there for. You're not there as a a pet owner. Uh, You're there as a farmer, and that's how they see the world. You have the good shepherds and you have the sheep. And you want to get as much profit from them as possible. You don't put a little bit of profit on sheep that are getting a bit middle-aged or over the hill. Of course you don't. That's how simple this is for those who don't quite get it. And lots won't. They still want to believe there are beneficent dictators out there somewhere. Really, that's what they... In fact, some of them want to vote for that. A big father figure. This article here says, Guilty until proven innocent, the descent into totalitarian fascism. And it's, uh, it's to do with common law in Britain and so on. It says, Trial by jury is indeed a fundamental right under the Magna Carta. And because it is uh, judgment by other subjects or citizens, is the last defense of the ordinary man against the otherwise overwhelming power of the state. And the power increasingly of unscrupulous, incompetent and totalitarian politicians Witness Blair and Company's Regulation of Investigatory Powers Acts and others which allow ministers to rule by decree on the basis of declaring emergencies. Well, we're all we're living under perpetual emergencies now. So it said in the Magna Carta, no free man should be taken, indeed imprisoned, either dispossessed or outlawed or exiled or in any manner destroyed, nor pass over him nor send him over over him, except by means of the legal judgment of his own equals. It says, uh, but when you have this trilateral, basically, government in Britain with the Democrats and Liberals and Conservatives, it says the condemns are continuing the, the legislative program of new labor regarding recording and spying on our private and personal communications, and in many respects their uniquous efforts are indistinguishable from the Blair-Brown regime. Well, the, the reason is, you see, there are no parties. I keep stressing this. There are no parties. Thomas Jefferson said, when you say the same agenda going through the, the changes in the House, different parties, know you're under tyranny. Back after this break. Your 
listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. Governments always give the same MOs down through history when they want to take over and be totalitarian. And if folk haven't quite got it yet, you're under it, or you've been under it for quite a long time, actually, even before 9-11 happened. They put, most countries put giant omnibus bills through to do with basically complete anti-terrorism, which covered everything, including the ordinary citizens, including uh, a lot of the, 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 the terminology to, to expand all this down the road. Because once you're on the books, you can expand it into anything at all. Anything at all, any area you want to. And of course, everything comes under terrorism eventually. But also, the governments love to have their, at one time they had their, the queen would have her, or king would have his private army. Everybody belonged to the queen and, and, or the army, and the armies would take the place of police forces, uh, before the police forces came along. And they'd be responsible to them. And then, of course, when Parliament took over, the army army still was had to had to take their orders from Parliament. Well, that was all stopped when they brought in policemen. That's why they brought policemen in in the first place, so that you couldn't get a government with its own private army, basically. But it's gone backwards, you see. It's happened in the States already. It's happened in, in Britain in some ways. There's another article from Britain about another private army they're setting up. It says their dream is a British FBI. The reality may be our own KGB. From time to time, the British media completely missed a story of huge significance, and this is one of those times. We're about to get a national police force under direct government control. They like to call it Britain's FBI, but Britain is not the USA and does not need an FBI. For the sort of crime that concerns most people, uh, small and local, burglary gangs and menacing youths in the street, shoplifting and vandalism, this does not need some posturing agency, just a few thousand plods of foot patrol with the freedom to use their own initiative. Anyway, aren't the grandiose puffed-up MI5 and the equally self-important anti-terror squad of the Metropolitan Police quite enough to deal with the supposed terror menace? Neither of them saw the last major terrorist episode coming, nor were they any use after it happened, but who knows, maybe they'll do better next time. Even so, the government is already hiring top management for a sinister and worrying body to be known as a National Crime Agency. This is unconstitutional. Well, who cares about constitutions? It's only as good as the people who are willing to back it up, and that's the public. Same with, you know, bills of rights or anything like that. The public have to back it up. You don't hand it to a politician and leave it to them. It's for the public to back up. Once they stop backing it up, it's rubbish. Anyway, it says... It's unconstitutional as Parliament has only just begun to debate it. Interestingly, the bill to create the agency began life in the House of Lords, which is a favourite route for the laws that the government wants to keep quiet about. The project is arrogant and anti-British. The NCA's Director General will have the power to order Chief Constables about. That's across the whole country. He will answer directly to the Home Secretary. That's the government. It is, in short, the very last thing, the very thing since the days of St. Robert Peel. That was when they, they created the first peelers or, or policemen. Parliament has striven to prevent, which is a national police force under the direct control of the government. In Peel's time, MPs understood that such a force, if it fell into the wrong hands, would be a terrible engine of oppression. Uh, that is why police forces in this country have always been local, uh, by the way, an equally worrying scheme to centralise all Scottish forces under the Justice Minister as, as well advanced. So Scotland's actually taking the lead with the centralised 
police force, which is just a, as far as I'm concerned, it's a private army, and I don't recognise the guy who pretends he's the head of Scotland at the moment either. An earlier failed attempt to do the same thing, the series and organised crime agency flopped because it lacked the crucial power over chief constables. SOCA will disappear into the NCA along with some other shadowy bodies. The NCA's own officers will be civil servants subject to government orders, quite unlike police officers who take an oath to uphold the law and can refuse what they believe to be unlawful instructions. Not only that, folks, too, once you become a bureaucrat, you're walking around with a gun or a machine gun or something, um, you've got special rights and privileges that cops don't have. You're really well protected then. So you can't really sue them individually. He says, this is how big brother states are born. You're watching it happen. He says, I hope the speaker takes home uh, the, sec- the home security to task for hiring NCA staff without parliamentary authority. And I hope that peers and MPs, as their forebears would have done, chuck out the whole slimy thing. This, it's not Britain's FBI. It could be Britain's KGB. Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, what happens? I don't think any, you know, if the people, which they won't actually, I mean, I really, I've never expected some mass awakening. Never. It doesn't happen in history. It never, mass awakenings have never happened in history. It doesn't happen. And as I said before, we're the most informed slaves that's ever existed. It's up to the individuals and, and really, you know, anything, anybody who stood up in any, under any tyranny, it was always a few who stood up and said, that's enough. That's enough. Not the masses. That's why they gave you democracy too. They, they knew this in Plato's time. The majority of the public will put up with anything at all. Right to the end. That's how they are. It's, it's proven over and over and over and over again. State Department planning to spend $115 million, that's the U.S. State Department, to upgrade 700 million U.S. embassy in Baghdad. You know, like they're going to be there a little while, they keep telling you. This is like a city they've built there, a massive fort, you might say. Because, you see, long ago, when Reagan was in, he brought in Jean Kirkpatrick, and she was a communist, for those who don't know it. Even her school in New York, I think it was a communist school. They actually had communist schools. And... Um, he brought her on board because she had an idea that since America was going to be the policeman of the world for a long time to come, uh, then rather than go over to different countries and vanquish them one after another down through the years, just build permanent bases there. And this is where this all... The agendas never change, folks. They're on the books years ago. So here you go, spending another $115 million to upgrade $700 million U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. So it says... Um, the State Department is planning to spend all that uh, to upgrade the U.S. Embassy compound in Baghdad, already its biggest and most expensive in the world, according to pre-solicitation uh, notices published this month. Remember, it's been three and a half years since American diplomats moved into the 104-acre, $700 million facility. <laughs> according to a June 14th pre-solicitation, the estimated construction cost is put up between $60 million and $80 million and is expected to take two years to complete the U.S. has spent about $100 million on the police college facility, having built living quarters, a dining facility, an office building, and a gymnasium, a helicopter landing site, etc., etc. This is the grand opening of the $15 million Al Narain Center for Strategic Studies, with funding from the U.S. Embassy, was announced in the Embassy News release. But we can't get single-player health care, a teacher hired for or a fixed bridge, or, or the road, roads repaired for that matter, too. 
So, and that's how it is, you see. Because you see, your bosses are internationalists. They don't see you as anything special. Or they'll put the flag on and for you and a brass band going when they, when they need you to go off and kill some other enemy that they have. But it's, it's off their backs as soon as they're, it's over and done with. You know, yeah, that, that's how the game is played. It's very simple. Now, folk too, who are dumb enough to, to use all the gadgets that are given out there from to play with that really hypnotize them and occupy most of their time, like Facebook and Twitter and all the rest of it. Uh, it's amazing the collection of data they have on you. And you, you don't mind. Most folk out there really don't mind. And it's all legal, you know. Whatever you say out there is put on some legal notice somewhere and can be pulled on you down the road. But again, they don't mind. Because Big Brother wouldn't be watching me. I'm too insignificant. That's how people think. But anyway, it says here, the hate laws are coming into all your, your speech now. Twitter trolls are put on notice under the guise of the people who are always cursing and swearing at other people. It says Twitter trolls, but where your, your sort aren't wanted around here, at least not for very much longer. It says that Twitter's to introduce measures to tackle hate speech. It says one solution would hide tweets from dubious accounts, but it says it does not want to undermine free speech, so it's double speak. So the social networking site is not going to be putting up with their kind of mouth-breathing vitriol for much longer. Twitter is preparing to introduce measures to reduce the visibility of hate speech on the site, FT.com reports. Chief Executive Dick Costolo described some of the abuse on the site as horrifying, but did not want to undermine the commitment to free speech. The reason we want to allow pseudonyms is there are lots of places in the world where it's the only way you'd be able to speak freely, probably here, I guess, Mr. Costolo said, referring to the use of social media during protests in countries such as Egypt and Iran. Well, you know that Twitter's a big part, like all the other ones are, and Google, of the NSA. You, you know that, say. I mean, what are they doing dealing with um, with overturning governments abroad, Egypt and Iran? So what's that got to do with it? This is the flip side of that is it also emboldens these trolls. How do you make sure that you are both emboldening people to speak politically but making it okay to be on the platform and not endure all this hate speech? Well, what about Australia? What about Australia? You can't say anything about the carbon taxes. You get a million dollar fine. Such... Such BS, isn't it? That's bothersome stuff for those who don't understand it. You understand, we're, you're all living under totalitarian systems. But it's, it's a comfortable one, isn't it? It's, it's quite nice. It's, it's soft. It's soft, generally. Comfortable. And you don't mind too much. You don't mind too much. Herman von Rompuy of the European Council uh, and all the other leaders of Europe have drafted a radical plan to turn the 17 countries of the Eurozone into a full-fledged political federation within a, de- a decade in an attempt to placate the financial markets. Well, what do you mean you, d- you don't placate financial markets? You, you start up a whole new market, get like a free enterprise system, because there's nothing free about this whole darn system. It's run by central bankers, private central bankers, holding countries and now a whole continent to ransom with blackmail. That's what it is. But that's, again, is the plan. If you read up the Royal Institute of International Affairs' big long agenda to do with central banking and the Bank for International Settlements, that's what they said would eventually rule the world through bankers that they would then, who would run through their foundations, all their scientific foundations they have, would rule the world, you see. The proper way, where there's no individual freedoms of speech and rights and all the rest of it, your experts would decide 
what you could say, what you couldn't say, and you'd be a good, obedient citizen. That's always been what power is about. Taming all the rest. Under Nicia. That's what it's about. And bank robbers should throw their masks away and become bank bosses. The skills are the same, it says here. Buying a house is the biggest and most nerve-wracking financial transaction in most people's lives. A friend of one of my children was due to complete uh, on a very little property in Sitkip Kent last Thursday. I mentioned this one before. But it goes into uh, the cons, the cons uh, that you've got to do with mortgages. Nothing's safe now. As soon as you've written a mortgage out and signed it, it's, it's, some of the banks are just passing them around, passing them around to each other, buying them off, up in the prices, and then they crash every so often. And they're utterly corrupt. And the bank managers are all in on the scams because they get incentives for everyone that they help to scam, you see. The whole, you understand the system is going to get worse and worse and worse because it's all a scam today. Corruption has never been so blatant. Everywhere, everywhere. But we put up with it. Because that's what people do. Most of them. People also wonder about hitmen. Every government, every government on the planet has and always has had hitmen. Guys who go out, give them a target, they go out and kill whoever they're told to kill. Families, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to them. They're psychopaths, and they're hired all the time. That's the kind you want, you see, to be a, a cool, calculating hitman. And this is about the top, top CIA spy accused of being a mafia hitman, because that's what he did on the side as well. I guess it's free time on his hands. But Enrique Ricky uh, Prado's resume reads like the ultimate CIA officer, veteran of the Central American Wars. That means he was down there slaughtering people down in Central America to make sure that the U.S. had had the proper governments in. Uh, running the CIA's operations in Korea, top spy in America's espionage programs against China, and deputy to counter-terrorist chief Koffer Black. And then a stint at Blackwater, private-public partnerships, eh? But he's also alleged to have started out a career as a hitman for a notorious mafia mobster and kept working for the mob even after joining the CIA. Finally, he went on to serve as the head of the CIA's secret assassination squad against Al-Qaeda. That's according to the journalist Evan Wright's blockbuster story, How to Get Away with Murder in America, distributed by Byliner. Ed Wright, who authored Generation Kill, the seminal story of the Iraq invasion, compiles lengthy, years-long investigations by state and federal police into a sector of Miami's criminal underworld that ended nowhere, uh, were sidelined by higher-ups or cut short by light sentences. So your government, your government always uses the underworld. Actually, those who own your government always use the legitimate legal overworld, and when they can't do it that way, they use their own underworld. They have both sides, over and under, you see. So you always make sure you've got a very well-paid and well-trained underworld class for hits and things like that. This is, it tracks the history of Prado's alleged Miami patron and notorious cocaine trafficker Alberto San Pedro and suspicions that Prado moved a secret death squad from the CIA to Blackwater. So, of course, Blackwater is in the assassination business. This is nothing new about this. Even before they had Blackwater, they had Kinimini uh, for Britain. 
And Kinimini is simply ex-SAS guys and, and ex-Special Forces who, when Britain can't do something legally, they send the mercenaries into different countries. They have a little war started, like Sierra Leone, uh, and once they destroy the country, the big boys can come in and grab all the diamonds and everything. And that's what they did there, in fact. All run by the big banking boys and the diamond merchants at the top. It's always been that way. In protecting Prado, the CIA arguably allowed a new type of mole, an agent not of a foreign government but of American criminal interest, to penetrate commands. Well, they're all interchangeable. Where where else can you get a good hitman from that has no conscience and is good at what he does? Think about it. A guy who will never have, he'll never need any therapy after slaughtering people of any kind. He doesn't have that problem. Now, they're always on about insulin and diabetes and so on. This is an article here about a fungicide used on crops. It can induce insulin resistance. It says, demonstrating environmental pollutants as potential contributors to diabetes. This is Dr. Dr. Robert Sargis of the University of Chicago said the chemical uh, tolifluanid is not registered for use in the U.S., but is used on food crops such as apples, grapes, hops, and tomatoes in other countries. For the first time, we've described a molecular mechanism by which an environmental pollutant can induce insulin resistance, leading credence to the hypothesis that some synthetic chemicals might be contributors to the diabetic epidemic. There's a lot more to diabetes, believe you me, especially type 2, than they're telling you. Part of it, too, is all the crappy oils they give you, uh, telling you it's better for you, by the way, because and the sugars you're getting to, all these GMO this and GMO that altered stuff, because your body can't deal with it like they do with natural stuff. It stores it as fat, and it can't turn it back. It's a hell of a job trying to turn it back or break it down and and use it up once it's stored in your body. So anyway, it says that that Sergius and colleagues use mouse fat to examine the effects of tolifluanid on insulin resistance at the cellular level and found that exposure to it induced insulin resistance in fat cells. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and before we end tonight, I'll take a caller as Jeff from Michigan, if he's still on the line there. Yes, Hello? I am. Hi, Alan. How you doing? Not too bad at all. Yeah. Uh, thanks for waking me up. You woke me up uh, many years ago. It's been a heck of a ride since. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been listening to your show uh, consistently, and I wondered, uh, with the last couple of minutes here, if you could speak to the power of uh, individual. You spoke about that uh, about a week ago or so, and... Mm-hmm. Talking about how uh, individual people need to stand up and and just and say no and not go along with things, as opposed to getting into a group and and waiting mm-hmm. for a father figure to stand up for them, who never does. That's absolutely true. Uh, you know, you're doomed to failure if you're waiting for someone else to do it for you. And even in totalitarian systems of the past, people ind- individuals stood up one by one here, there, across the, the continent, whatever. That's how people. Uh, would stand up and yeah, you, you end up getting put in prison and the whole bit, but eventually there's so many in prison, it, it starts to turn. You, you can't hide it anymore. You can't function anymore. And that's really, I mean, that's where we are. We're at that stage where you can't do it any other way. I agree. I totally agree. And I, I liked, I liked the, 
point you made in uh, an interview a while back um, where you said back before the, before pubs had TVs all over the place, people used to talk to each other. There used to be a, a genuine sense of community where, where people would would actually talk about uh, uh, common things in politics and talk about things they didn't like. And now it, the, the society is built to such that people don't yeah. talk to each other anymore. They don't. They're actually isolated more so than ever before. They've done many studies on it, and that's what it's meant to do with the computer and all the rest of it. They talk to voices on, on in, in the ether, but they don't actually see real people, and it's not quite the same. There's a lot missing, uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of languages, body language and so on, when you're actually with a person. And so it, you, you don't have that kind of bonding to bring you together, to stand up together. And that's why they don't, don't even turn up to help each other, these, these voiceless entities when they're in trouble. They don't even bother to help them. It's not quite real to them. So this is a part of the war, of course, is separating every individual in their little square box and keeping them apart from society. That was all intentional. It wasn't just uh, the guys wanting to watch sports in the pubs. No, at all. They wanted to talk. That's where they always went to talk and find out what was going on. But it was intentionally destroyed. We're dealing with very intelligent people who understand. They're constantly experimenting on us, and we don't even know it. Just read Vance Packer's books from the 1950s on marketing and all the studies they were doing on, on the unsuspecting public then. But individuals, even in the Soviet Union, were, were printing up uh, and photocopying written letters uh, condemning this, condemning that by their governments, and lots and lots of them were absolutely put away. But it got to the stage where it couldn't be hidden anymore. Uh, there's too many people inside and not enough outside. And uh, and all you can do is stand up for your own principles because no one else is going to do it for you. That's right. Thank, well, thank you. And I, I like uh, you had quoted something last week that really uh, stuck with me. And you said freedom has always been a chance through history, and you either take it or you bow down to slavery. So I'll, That's I'll, it. I'll take I'll take it offline. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. And it's true. There's just no other way. Stop looking for... Who gave you this one, the one? All these movies from Hollywood gave you the one. And so many movies. And youngsters were brought up with this idea of the one, the Superman, the the, the Batman stuff, you know, the Highlander. No, you are the one. You are your own champion. And believe you me, when it comes down to it, no one else is going to stand up for you. Stand up for your own principles, regardless of what everybody else is doing. I don't care who they are. Because the mob will always go along with the rest, hoping, oh, I'll be okay, I can last longer if I, if I don't get noticed. You got, when you see something wrong, say it's wrong. Say it. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.